This is WMPG. I'm Dr. Anne, and this is Safe Space Radio, a show about courage, the courage to talk about the subjects that are the hardest to bring up, but that we think about the most. This month's series is on the untold stories of dementia, how we live with it in our loved ones, and how we live with the fear of getting it ourselves. This month, for the first time, we're inviting you to contact us if you have a similar story that you'd like to share. We're calling this new section of the show Echoing Stories, and we're going to be playing them toward the end of the series. So if you have an untold story about dementia, please email me at drannne at safespaceradio.com. And Dr. Anne is D-R-A-N-N-E. Today I'm going to be speaking with Liz Haviu about her mother's dementia and the challenge of looking after her while supporting her family. Liz's mom, Dawn, is 80 and has both vascular dementia and Alzheimer's disease, and she lives with Liz and her husband. Liz describes herself as a philanthropist and an entrepreneur. She started Tin Lizzie's Services to help businesses and homes with organization, creating order out of chaos. Liz is a daughter, a wife, a mother, a caregiver, and a friend. Welcome to Safe Space, Liz. Thank you. How are you, Dr. Ann? <laughs> I'm good. So I want to hear first about about your mom. Tell me a little bit about who she was before she got dementia. My mother was uh, a working woman. She um, grew up in a orchard, and um, her father was and mother were entrepreneurs, and they had several businesses at the beach. And mom was always a bookkeeper and um, liked to square dance. She liked to play cards. Um, and was a family woman uh, and was married to my dad for 44 years before he passed. So just, you know, just an everyday, hard-working American woman. So you mentioned that your father passed. How long ago was that? Dad passed away uh, Christmas of 2000. So um, actually he had a heart attack and didn't know it. Got to the hospital. They got him to the hospital, and uh, Christmas we opened presents at the hospital. And then five days later, he was gone. He had a mitral valve leak that they couldn't repair. He was a diabetic, and um, mom had to make the decision whether or not they were going to put him on dialysis, and also made them pull the ventilator because we did have bypass surgery. He told her he never wanted to be on a ventilator, and so she said no ventilator. And within Two days, she, two days he was gone. So uh, it's been a while. So your mom has clear views about a lot of medical intervention at the end of life. We may be coming back to that question, but we won't go there yet. So she's been alone for 13 years in terms of having lost her husband. Well, it's interesting. They moved in on my 40th birthday. Ah. So we have a two-family farmhouse, and they had moved in. And um, at the time, I had quit working because my husband had a position where I could and um, in many ways it was a blessing because I was there to help her unload all of his stuff and they had already sold their house and everything else so um, mom has always lived with us but um, she had her own separate space up until about five or six years ago. And so when she began to become ill what were some of the first signs and did you even recognize that they were dementia to begin with? I've thought about that a lot and I don't really know when it all started. Um, it may have started longer ago than we thought of, but the key signs for us were um, she was getting, my husband would come home and if she wasn't around and he got the mail, there'd be 40 or 50 pieces of mail a day for her. 
from every Tea Party, Republican, Democrat, um, just people looking for money. Every veterans group, every... I mean, there's a sheriff in Arizona that wants her to send money because Obama's bringing the the illegals over. I mean, so that was clue one, that something wasn't right. And then... But that's not an obvious clue. I would, no, I mean, but that doesn't tell that you was, much. Except, it didn't, but it was like, why? Yeah. And then she started getting these things from the bank and her checks were bouncing. Uh, now, this is a woman that was a bookkeeper all her life. Checks didn't bounce. It was like, okay. Well, what she was doing was she was sending veterans groups and different groups money. And once you get on one list, you get on all the lists. And that was what was causing the checks to bounce as well. So... And then the little clues like putting the dishes in the cupboard dirty or um, only half-loading the dishwasher and just little odd things that, you know, you just go, huh? That's not okay. But then she had, she, um, a real clue was she um, had an accident um, with her car and it was like, okay. And the real clue was... She told her hairdresser that my husband pulled her out of the ditch. Well, that wasn't true. A wrecker had pulled her out, and a sheriff had been there and brought her home. And so it, that was a clue. Um, and then that's when we started. I started saying, okay, Mom, I need to go to the doctors with you. Are you okay with this? But my mom, in her infinite wisdom, back when when Dad died, she had gone to the lawyer, and she had made me power of attorney so that I could go and talk to the doctors if need be or make medical decisions for her so she had done that you know prior 12 years prior and I was like okay and it's interesting because I can remember her when she did it and I'd say why, ma why are you doing this because if anything happens to me you're the one that's going to have to take care of me so she knew that at some point that might happen so so that was tremendously thoughtful of her to be thinking ahead like that I'm, I'm guessing that spared you Oh, some trouble. <laughs> Tons. <laughs> yeah. So so she has this car accident. You take her to get to a doctor, and she ultimately gets this diagnosis. Did the doctor tell her first or tell you first? Well, it's funny because the doctor didn't actually tell us at first. Her primary care physician um, had her go have a, cat, a, a brain scan. And basically the brain had started to shrink, which happens when we age, apparently. But then um, she says, I think she has some dementia, and we put her on a couple of meds. Well, the thing was, is I, at the time, worked at the University of New England, and I went to an Alzheimer's talk at lunchtime. And um, one of the docs that works at the university doesn't anymore, but Dr. Bruce Bates was a geriatrician, and he actually, I pulled him aside because I really respected him. And I said, you know, Bruce, this is what's going on with mom. And he's like, you need to get her a geriatric eval. I'm like, okay. So I went to the main geriatric center. They did all kinds of tests. And it was like a three-hour battery um, between them visiting with her, them visiting with me and my son. Um, so it, And then so in August was when we got the diagnosis of dementia with a touch of Alzheimer's. I see, and so that was only a year ago. A year ago, August 15th. Uh-huh. I remember the day. And how was that for you to get that? This makes me welt up because I have a son who is very close to his grandmother. 
when my dad died, he stepped in. He would load her wood box. He would watch Jeopardy with her. He would play cards with her. He knew things were going on that we didn't know. And so it's kind of funny because he gets mad at me and I say, August 15th, I got kicked in the gut. It hurt. Yeah. Um, he said, Mom, you knew it was there. And I said, I know it was there. But it was real. It was like, okay, oh, crap, what am I going to do now? Now I really have to pay attention. I can't kind of just blow it off because um, it is real. It, this is dementia, and I've got to deal with this. And, and so for me to say that is, um, you know, it was tough. It was tough. It sounds like it, it really hit you hard, like, wow, my life is going to change. Exactly. And, you know, it, I mean, I tear up when I think about it, but you know what? Things happen for a reason, and it's okay. So we'll take care of things. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been over a year now since you've had this news, and yeah. um, how much care does she need at this point? Well, she doesn't cook anymore. Um, I mean... I don't even want her turning the pot on to boil water. Um, and she doesn't know how to use the microwave efficiently. Um, so it became a juggling act. So, um, you know, my, my bottom line is we now are at a point where we have to tell her to take her meds. I mean, when we first started, one day my husband caught her taking my meds. So <laughs> I had to move. That was over a year ago. I had to move my meds down to my bedroom away from where we kept her meds. And my husband is the early morning person, so he gets up, he puts her meds out for her so that she can have her morning meds. And most recently, she's had um, a diagnosis of um, hypothyroidism, which screws up her eating because you're supposed to take your meds and not eat for an hour, blah, blah, blah. So um, lots of times I get upstairs and she hasn't taken the meds. She she doesn't know that she's supposed to. And so, you know, it screws up her breakfast because my job is to make sure she gets breakfast and lunch. And then I can leave for two or three hours. And my husband is, gets home like at four o'clock. So I can go. She's okay to be home alone for a couple of hours, but not. I don't want her al alone for long periods of time. And um, and so that's that's pretty much the routine is, is I make sure that the morning piece is taken, the morning lunch, as long as she has that, like Monday and Friday's daycare, uh, Wednesday's Mother's Day, we go and get the hair done, the doctors, the banking, and then also um, Tuesday is now Meals on Wheels, and Thursday's my funky day, so now Thursday's, you know, I pretty much tell everybody I can't work until after two, because I have to make sure that she's had breakfast and lunch, and that she's all set for the day. So you really have had to change your life to make this work. Tremendously. Yeah. So I want to ask a little bit about your own health because I know that being a caregiver is such an enormous task and challenge and worry all the while that you're kind of grieving the loss. So there's so many layers to it. And um, I understand that fairly shortly after her diagnosis, you began to worry that you were getting depressed. Tell me a little bit about that. Well, I knew I was depressed because I had gotten really depressed after my dad died. I would go two, three days. I wouldn't get out of bed. I didn't care. 
and I knew I couldn't go there. I, I, I had to stop it before it happened because, um, you know, who was going to take care of her? Um, my son was gone. It's just my husband and I. And so I, uh, I called up my doc and I said, Doc, I'm depressed. Uh, I think, you know, well, first I said, I think I want to I want to take some vitamin D. And he and she said, uh, you sure you're not depressed? I said, yeah, I think I am. And I don't want to get up in the morning. And and I, you know, and so I did. I went on an antidepressant and was on it until spring. Um, and I know that, like, you know, I just got teary eyed. Was that normal? Well, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, um, but the bottom line is, is if I get to a point where I don't want to function and I don't want to do the things that make me happy and I don't want to, you know, I start sleeping a lot, I know it's time to call the doc and say, okay, time to go on something again. Because, you know, I have to get up in the morning. I have responsibilities. It's like having a baby, except the baby is never going to grow up. Right. So that the joy of that is not present for it. No. Yeah. As I'm sure you know, more than half of all family caregivers for people with d- dementia do suffer from depression. 80%. Exactly. And, so. and how, so I want to ask you how you learned that because you are, you are a savvy caregiver and I understand there is actually a savvy caregiver class through Southern Maine Agency on Aging. And tell me a little bit about how you heard about that class and, and what you learned from it. Well, I have so- inside. Info about that. Okay. Um, I actually started with the Southern Maine Agency on Aging back in 1982. As a, <laughs> you worked, I there. worked there. Uh-huh. And um, I worked there for a while, and then I left and went on my way. And um, I knew about all the programs that they had because I ran three volunteer programs. So when it was time, my girlfriend, Kathy, who still works for the agency, she said, Liz, you really need to think about the savvy caregiver. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I decided, okay, it's time. And so um, the savvy caregiver class was really an eye-opener for me because it gives you an opportunity to be with other people that are in the same situation that you're in and at all different levels. Mom was in early stages. Um, but I was in class with people that had, you know, uh, spouses or parents um, that were in different stages. So you got the opportunity to um, first, you know, learn that you're not alone. You're not doing this alone. But also some tools that you can use. And one of my favorite stories is um, the la- next to last class, I think it was, we did a scenario on... Um, laundry and you know should you let Jim do the laundry um is it going to upset him is it going to it, it, is it okay for the machine um you know is it more work for you you know just it, it was all kinds of scenarios and we talked it out and you know I sat in the class and I kind of chuckled and went, oh mom's still doing the laundry cuz that was one of the things that she always did because she figured she didn't pay rent she could at least contribute by doing the laundry and I have a high-efficiency washing machine. And two weeks later, I go home. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> yeah. I go and I told her, I said, Mom, there's towels in the washer. I'd left that morning. I said, Mom, there's towels in the washer if you want to put them in the dryer. And I got home, and the towels were dry. The washcloths were hung on the rack hanging from the wall. And there was 
four inches of water in the high efficiency washing machine. And I'm like, you can't open this when there's water in it. So, uh. you know, but I had just had that scenario with savvy caregiver. And it was like, okay, so now I have to decide, you know, okay, mom didn't do laundry anymore. I they thought it was only four inches of water in the washer. I thought you were going to say four inches of water in the room. No, thank goodness. I'm relieved for you. So, you know, um, so Savvy Caregiver actually gave me the ability to say, okay, what's important? So, you know, now I, I will leave the basket of towels on the table that are dry if she wants to fold them. Of course, my husband gets frustrated because they're all folded wrong and whatnot. And I say, honey, it doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. It's all good. You just... Let her do it. We take it downstairs. We refold it when we put it in the cupboard. You know, so it's all One of the things I've learned is that even people with moderate dementia often want to feel like they're making a contribution. Exactly. So I'm imagining that by letting her do that, that actually probably feels good to her, too. Yeah. Yeah. And it's hard because I feel like sometimes I'm taking things away all the time. Like, you know, she doesn't do the dishes anymore. I took that away from her. You know, now she can't do her own laundry. I took that away from her. And it's hard because this was an independent woman that, you know, she did what she did. And, yeah, you know, she was competent. More than. Yeah. I mean, right. it, the one of the hardest ones is we're not playing cards anymore. You know, mom, we used to play like three or four different card games. She doesn't know how to play cards. She doesn't know how to play cribbage anymore. Does she remember that she used to play? Does she mourn that loss? I don't know. One time they tried to ask her at daycare if she wanted to play solitaire because she used to play solitaire. She goes, oh, I did that when I was a kid. So I don't know. I don't know. So obviously she has changed dramatically since, um, you know, how you describe her from before. And... The Portland Press-Herald did a feature story on you and your mother in August of 2013. And in that story, you you so honestly talked about your own wish that she could actually die. And I think that you are so not alone in that thought. With, you know, so many caregivers feel that way, but so many feel afraid to speak it. Were you scared to say that in public? Um, my parents gave me a good appreciation for death. Um, it was not anything that I was ever afraid of. It was something that you honored and that, in fact, um, our beliefs, you know, are that you are in a better place when you pass from this life into the next, whatever that, whatever your beliefs may be. Um, my mother... You know, when she made the decision to, to pull the, the ventilator on my dad and when she decided not to have him do dialysis, um, you know, she made a brave decision. And in all my years, Mom and I have always talked about the fact that, you know, um, she didn't want on life support. I mean, she's donated her body to the University of New England because she wanted to be a nurse. So... Um, to talk about her dying, um, it's it sounds cold, but an example is one time I went into her bathroom. This is before I knew we were having real issues, and or that I needed to pay attention to the bathroom. I went in and there was no toilet paper on the roll, and 
there was a paper towel. And I said, Ma, you're out of toilet paper. You know, what are you doing? She goes, well, I didn't want to bother you. That's a very small piece, but my mother never, ever wanted to be a burden to us. If she really, really knew how stressful and how hard this is, she would be one of those people that would say, okay, boom, you know, take a gun or, you know, she would, she would want to die. So in many ways for me to say that I wish she would, it's, I know that she would because she's not the person she was. It's hard to say. A lot of people would go, oh, you can't think that way. But no, she's, I don't want to say she's causing a strain on, she's not causing a strain on my relationship with my husband because I think that has made us closer because we have to talk about all those life decisions. But, you know, financially it's making us struggle and we're not doing the things that we would like to be doing at, in our mid-50s. And so for me to say that, I wish more people could say it um, because they're not, you know, if they're thinking it, they're not alone when they think it. And it's okay to say it out loud. It's, it's healing. It's helpful. And it takes some of that ick that's inside you and brings it out because then you know, you know, it's real. And how have people responded? It's funny because um a lot of the people that i um that i've run into not necessarily strangers but people that i've known throughout my life i've had several say to me wow now i know what what's happening with my parent or thank you because i went through that or you know um I had a lot of people just say thank you for doing it because um, they're either dealing with the same issues and didn't know there were places to go, which there are, and just knowing that you're not alone is huge. It really is huge. I want to come back to what you were saying before about death. I meant to ask this before. You sound so clear that actually your mother would not want to be a burden. Do you think if Maine had a physician-assisted suicide law, do you think it's something that your family would have considered? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Where's Dr. Jack, we used to say? (laughs) Dr. Jack. Where is that guy? (laughs) He's dead, unfortunately. (laughs) Yes, yes. So I know that you, you and your husband both really bend over backwards to keep her at home with you. And you've adjusted things, and then you've adjusted them again. And as that as her illness progresses, you adjust it again. Um, tell me what makes keeping her out of a nursing home so important to you. I I made a promise. Oh, tell me about that. Well, and Doctor Bates, why did you do that? Um, both my parents never wanted to go in nursing homes, and I knew that. Um, and my father grew up in a three-generation home. My son thinks it's normal to have a three-generation home. Um, he joke, jokingly says that when he finds the right woman, he's bringing her home, and <laughs> we'll have three generations, but we'll see. But um, I promised my mother I would never put her in a nursing home. You know, 
And when Bates gave me a hard time about that, one of the things I, I said to him, I said, you know, if she gets abusive to me and doesn't know who I am, then I might consider it. But you know what? The joke is, is every gray hair that woman has, I gave her. And this is my payback. <laughs> so, um, you know, I made a promise. I, I promised I would take care of her. So I heard you say two conditions. So one was if she became abusive and the other was if she doesn't recognize you anymore. And it, or are those together they're as together. one? I see, because there will probably come a time where she doesn't recognize you. And that's fine. And in some ways, I think her, and this is awful to say too, but I think her, right now, if you looked at my mother, you'd say, oh, she's fine. She looks normal. Um, but, you know, when it gets to a point when she doesn't know how to do things anymore, um, and is more feeble, it will actually be easier. Because right now, like today, for instance, when it came time to eat her sandwich, she had an egg salad sandwich, and half of it had started to fall apart. It was an Italian roll, and she didn't know how to pick it up. I literally had to say, Mom, you got to use both hands. And she got cranky. She went, oh, no, blah, blah. you know, and, and so that makes it hard because she's frustrated because she doesn't know how to do what she's supposed to do. And this is not uncommon. It's so frustrating. Right. Not, and does she ever get really angry? Does she ever get violent, throw things? Um, she swears at me like she used to swear at my father. <laughs> <laughs> and it's okay. Um, I, I listen to her and I think, oh, my, she's talking to me like she used to talk to dad. And that was their relationship, which was fine. But, um, you know, I just go, okay, this too will pass. Yeah, it doesn't sound like you take it personally. No. No. But so in the face of all the work of it and all the financial stress and all the juggling different jobs and trying to get back in time and juggling her pills and meals and so on, have there been any any unexpected upsides? Have there been any any discoveries or moments with your mother that maybe wouldn't have happened if she didn't have dementia? Not so much with my mother yet. Um, more so with my husband. Um, cause our relationship, you know, we're going on 30 years and it, and it's better. Um, I mean, he and I are doing this together and, um, you know, mom, it is what it is. And it's just, it, it's, there's no upside at the moment, but that could change tomorrow. Tomorrow something could happen. And, you know, I might say, oh my, that was, you know, um, a good time. Um, but more so it's made my husband and I closer, um, because we are having to do this together. The communication, I mean, the, the communication that we have, it's, it's a lot of it's around her, but it's about functioning and keeping everything flowing and just, um, being aware of each other's issues and being there for each other. And so uh, in many ways it's, it's going to be a gift for my son to know, um, you know, mom and dad did this, you know, this is what's expected. And basically this is how you take care of your loved ones. And so in many ways, that's, that's the reward in the end. Liz, have you, thank you so much for being my guest on safe space. You're welcome. It's really been a pleasure to have you. So I want people to know a few things. If you are interested in Tin Lizzie's services, Liz Havius company, you can reach her or find out more about it at 756-5172. 
or you can email her at LizHaveYou, and that's L-I-Z-H-A-V-U at gmail.com. And then I also want to list a few of the services that we mentioned in this interview in case you or someone you love might need them. The Southern Maine Agency on Aging runs the Savvy Caregiver class, and they can be reached at 396-6500. I'm going to say that number one more time, 396-6500. There's also the Truslow Day Center in Saco, where Liz's mom spends two days a week. It's kind of like a daycare center for adults with dementia. They're in Saco, but apparently they're also expanding soon to Falmouth and Biddeford. And then Meals on Wheels which is a service that you can sign up for through the Southern Maine Agency on Aging. This is WMPG. I've been speaking to Liz Haviu about taking care of her mother at home. Her mom has dementia and the financial, emotional, and professional and marital challenges of keeping her out of a nursing home. If you have a story about a loved one with dementia that you'd like to tell in the hopes of helping others, please email me at dranne at safespaceradio.com. That's D-R-A-N-N-E at safespaceradio.com. Also, if you didn't get to hear this whole interview and you would like to, or you'd like to email it to a friend, please go to our website at safespaceradio.com, and you can listen to all the previous shows there as well. You can also download the show from iTunes. You can like us on Facebook. My thanks today to Gabe Graben for producing the show, Jen Hodson for mixing the sound, Maurice Lennon for the music, and Jim Russell for consulting. Coming up next is Speak Freely.